Welcome to the workshop. The workshop is more than an adult Sunday school. The workshop is a systematic discipleship program for teens and adults, which takes place Sunday morning prior to the service. Our focus is to be building disciples that are grounded in the basic principles of the gospel for spiritual health and for service, and to be equipped to minister broadly to meet spiritual needs around them and to develop and use their particular giftedness for the good of Christ's church. We typically run three 10 to 12 week semesters per year in the fall, winter, and spring. And we look at having some kind of missions project during the summer. If you're interested in finding out more about the workshop, please feel free to contact our administrator at New West Community Church and you can find us on the web at newwestcommunitychurch.com. Thanks very much. Take care. Hi, and welcome to the workshop. This is week five. We're going to be talking about the immutability of God, meaning the unchangeableness of God. But what we, what I want to do before we launch into that is I want to talk a little bit about last week's lesson. We're going to redo a little recap. What is, what does God's aseity mean? And what does his eternality mean? So his aseity comes from uh, the, the, uh, the Latin uh, a say, and that means from or by oneself, it means sufficient to himself, independent. So that means God is independent of anything. In, in some cases, we talk about the aseity of God also being his eternality, which speaks to him being Lord of time, meaning he is above it. He exists above it. Although he's in it, he exists above it. He's not bound by time. Louis Burkhoff said this about the aseity of God. He said that God has the ground of his existence in himself such that he is not only independent in himself, but also causes everything to depend on him. Did you catch that? He said that God is of himself so much so that he is independent of himself from everything, but causes everything to depend on him. That's amazing. So we want to recap from last week of God's eternality means God with God. There is no distinction between the present, the past and the future. All things are equally and always present to him. So that's what God's eternality means. Now, one question that we want to think about as we move into this session on the immutability of God is how would you describe change? Does change happen to us? Does it happen through us? Does it happen around us? How would you describe change? Now, when we talk about the immutability of God, we're talking about the unchangeability of God. Some have called this as well the impassibility of God, that God does not change ever. Never, ever, ever. In fact, this, is, this doctrine is so significant that A.W. Pink wrote that this doctrine is not sufficiently pondered, and we would add by the Christian, that we often take for granted that God is unchangeable, that he never changes, ever. There is no change with God. And so when we talk about the immutability of God, 
we, we look at three different aspects of what this means. So God does not change in his essence. There's no animations. There's no changes. There's no evolving. God is also immutable in his nature, meaning there's no end to his being. He never, he never, he never comes to the end of who he is. He is everlasting and he is immutable in his perfections. Nothing changes with those. There's no growth in God's ability to know things. There's no, there's no atrophy in God's love or wrath. They're all there, all perfect, never changing. Now, God's immutability does not increase or decrease in his attributes either. So what we mean by this, and and we we would head back to the simplicity idea of God that Pastor Paul talked about uh, in week two, and what we mean by God being immutable in his simplicity is this, that God loses nothing in his trinity. He doesn't lose anything because he's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father is fully God. God the Son is fully God. God the Holy Spirit is fully God. He, and God didn't lose anything when God the Son became incarnate. There was no hiving off of himself to incarnate the Son of God to the Lord Jesus. We also mean in the simplicity of God that God loses nothing in his spirit by indwelling all believers. And that's a, that's a significant promise that we find in scripture that when we place our faith and hope in the Lord Jesus, when we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead and we are saved. And when we are saved, the Holy Spirit seals us for the day of redemption. God loses nothing in his Holy Spirit by indwelling millions of believers around the world at the same time. So not only does he not change ever, he doesn't lose anything of himself by indwelling believers all around the world. Now, when we also talk about the immutability of God, we means that there's without any new nature, there's, there's nothing new that's added to him. He's complete and always has been complete, always will be complete in his nature, in his thought, in his will, and in his purpose. Nothing, so in essence, nothing takes him by surprise. So that, that, that situation that we're going through, whether it's health, finance, whether it's anxiety, whether it's worry, doubt, whether it's a, it's, a, it's a death in the family or it's a, it's a, it's a diagnosis from, from our doctor that you know, causes us to step back and, and think about our life. None of these things take him by surprise. Now, Charnock said this, What good would it be to pray to a God who is no different than a chameleon? And he said this because we believe that God does not change. He never changes in his, in his person, in his nature, in his thought, his will, his purpose. Nothing takes him by surprise. And yet, what good would it be if he did? 
then he wouldn't be God, obviously, but then we couldn't trust that the God we know today will be the same God that we know a week from now or a year from now or 20 years from now or the time that we die and we see him face to face. And if he's changed, that means he's not fully God. And and if he changes now, he could change in the future. And that's, that's a real scary situation for us to think about. So when we all, when we talk about the immobility of God, sometimes people get caught up in this language that we find, especially in the Psalms, where we see the psalmist write, specifically in Psalm 44, and I'm looking at chapter 44, verses 23 to 26. And the psalmist there records for us, wake up, Lord, why are you sleeping? Get up, don't reject us forever. Why do you hide and forget our affliction and oppression? For we have sunk down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up, help us, redeem us because of your faithful love. Now, if we just took this reading at face value, it would seem that the Lord sleeps. It would seem that the Lord sits or lies down even. It would seem to us that the Lord will sit down or it will seem that the Lord is waiting for us to call upon his name. And then when we do that, he will rise up out of his slumber or out of his chair and then he will put himself into action. That's not what the psalmist is saying here. These these phrases, wake up, Lord, rise up, help us, redeem us. These are calls of action to the immutable God of the universe. In fact, this is this is a crying out for deliverance. This isn't about trying to arouse God to action or praying strongly enough or shouting it loud enough to somehow wake up God. You see, that's what the that's what the pagans did with their pagan gods they they sacrificed and they prayed and they shout and they would sing loudly and they would do all these things to try and arouse to try and wake up their quote-unquote god but our god doesn't need to do that because he never sleeps he never slumbers he never grows tired and because he's immutable those things never change he never he never gets tired and that's really important for us to know, not just to think about, but to know. And so we also talk about the immutability of God, meaning this, that he is not a passive potency, meaning that there's, there's, no, there's no passive nature of God. He's always active. And God is not awaiting for an activation notification. He's not, he's not waiting for that bell to ring so that he understands that, oh, Somebody needs me right now, so I'm, I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing, and I'm going to go and focus on that thing, that, that notification that came across my desk. I'm going to take care of that right away. He doesn't, he's not waiting for any of that because he is eternal. He is outside of time, and, and also all of time is present to him. He's not, he's not sitting in his desk waiting for your activation to come through his email. God is what the Puritans have called maximally alive. He is maximally alive. Some other things to think about when it comes to the immutability of God. God does not merely possess the attribute of love, but he is love and is so in infinite measure. So he doesn't merely possess love like we would possess love, 
but it's part of who he is. That's why we say God is love. We see that in 1 John. We see that in the Gospel of John. God is love. We also see that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And this love that God is, is infinite in measure. I mean, there's, there's no way for us to even think about containing it. It's, there's, we can't plumb the depths of it. You can't walk out to the very edge, the very precipice of his love. You can't ascend higher than his love. His love is infinite in measure. And so are his other attributes. And encapsulated with this, in his immutability, that never changes. Never changes. So if God's, because if God's love changes or has changed, you would agree with me that this means that God changes himself. It would imply some kind of evolution of God and that would undermine his perfection. So again, if we say that God's love changes, whether it changes because we've added something to it or we have done something to make him love us more, or we've done something to make him love us less, this means that God changes. And that implies that there's some kind of evolution with God. There's some kind of change in his attribute. And ultimately, that means that we've just undermined his perfection. So God never changes in any of his attributes. Herman Bovnik said this, that without losing himself, God can give himself and, while absolutely maintaining his immutability, he can enter into an infinite number of relations to his creatures. Let me read that again so that it sinks into our thinking. Bavink says this, without losing himself, God can give himself and while absolutely maintaining his immutability, meaning he absolutely maintains the fact that he never changes, he can enter into an infinite number of relations to his creatures. What an amazing God our God is. And so some questions that we often think about when it comes to his immutability is how might God's immutability reveal his sovereignty to us? And as we think through that, think of this, what joy does that bring to your life? That if we know that God is immutable, that he never ever changes, he is the same today as he was yesterday, and he will be the same in eternity future that he is today. Never changes. What joy does this bring to you? How does it reveal his sovereignty and what joy does this bring to you? How might God's immutability strengthen the covenant relationship between him and his people, that if he never loses anything by being present with all of his creatures, especially with those whom he has loved, whom he has sent his son to die for, those whom he is present with through his Holy Spirit, without losing one minute, without losing one minuscule of who he is, How might his immutability, his 
unchangeableness strengthen the covenant relationship between him and his people, his promises between him and his people, that if God is immutable and he makes a covenant with us, his people, what assurance does that bring to you? That when God says that he will never leave you nor forsake you, that when God says that you are in his hand and no one can snatch you out of his hand, that when God says to us that he works out all things for the good of those who love him and a myriad of other promises found in his word, if God is unchanging, how does that strengthen the covenant relationship he has with you? And what assurance does that bring to you? As we wrap up this short series on the immutability of God, we look at speaking the word in the church and that God never changes, that God is not vulnerable to the shifting sands of culture. He is not vulnerable to the sifting sands of culture. Culture wants to take the Bible and it, it wants to change it. Culture wants to take what we do as Christians and tell us that it is no longer relevant, that we have to change the way we do Christianity if we still want people to come to church, and in fact, if we want to reach out to new people, we have to change what we do in church. We have to change the message of the Bible because some of it is, quite frankly, in their view, offensive. But if God never changes and he's given us his word and it never changes, how could we change the message of the gospel even when the culture changes around us? You see, God is not vulnerable to the shifting sands of time. Charnock wrote this. He said, the nearer we come to God, the more stability we shall have. I remember that promise in James where it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Wash your hands, cleanse your hearts, humble yourself and God will exalt you. The nearer we come to God, the more stability we shall have. And we have that stability because God never changes. God is immutable. And that's what we have for you this week. Have a blessed week. We'll see you next time. 